CatskillTheater.com. Good morning and welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. Up until today, thankfully, all the guests on Catskill Character have been very much alive. The person featured on our show today, Jacques Fine, unfortunately passed away in May of 2017 at the age of 78. To have lived that long was a miracle in itself because Jacques was a child survivor of the Holocaust. And you may wonder, what's he doing on Catskill Character? But let me assure you, he was definitely a Catskill Character, as you will see in the second half of the show. How did this child, along with his only remaining family member, younger sister Annette, survive hidden in the outskirts of Paris? That is the story Jacques told in his own words back in 1992 at the University of Baltimore in Maryland when he gave his first of many talks about his experience in the Holocaust. What you will be hearing next is the edited audio portion of a DVD made of that talk by Jacques' friend Jeffrey Bieber and his son-in-law, Lee Burroughs. Here is Jacques Fine. My name is Jacques Fine. I was born on October 10, 1938, and my name at that time was Jacques Carpeek. I always had memories of my early years, and in 1982, I wrote to my sister, who survived the war with me and lived in Jerusalem, and asked her to send me anything she knew about our earlier times. And I knew she knew because we had cousins still living in France. About nine years ago, as a matter of fact, she sent me two pictures, which I had never seen before, and these were pictures of my parents. And when I received that letter, Thanksgiving of 1982, my heart kind of dropped, because this was really the first time after trying to find out what my parents were like, and people always asked me in the 70s, 60s, who they were, what they looked like, and I couldn't tell them anything. She also sent me a picture of more family. These four people are cousins of ours. Uh, Sarah is still alive in Paris. Her father survived Auschwitz, but he died about a year ago, and her mother was killed in Auschwitz along with my family. My cousin Sarah, who was about nine years older than I, wrote me in 1984 about her recollection. I remember Sarah saying we were very well, we were all together, that's my family and her family. and. Um, and still more, when your father and my father were arrested and interned in, in May of 1941 in a French camp at we remained alone, my sister and I, Sarah and her brother, and, and alone with two mothers. So somewhere in late 41, early, early 42, my mother realized she had to do something. So the first recollection I do remember is being with a Catholic family. And I imagine from her information and what my recollection, I must have been taken to them uh, May 41 when my father was arrested. And as you probably know, I'm, there were other children in the same situation as I was uh, in France and other parts of, of Western Europe and Eastern Europe who were taken in by righteous Gentiles, uh, taken in as strangers and lived with those families. Then came uh, the terrible day, July 16, 1942. That's the Jeudi Noir, Black Thursday. 
That's when the French government, French police, on order of the uh, German occupation forces, rounded up as many Jews as possible. And they told me that one day, when I was living with them, somebody came to their house, and I don't know who, where, what, and told them that my mother had been arrested. After I think she had visited us, she would come maybe once a week or once a month. Then she had to go back by subway, and that was at Black uh, Thursday. And she had been caught, and like everybody else, as uh, Sarah says, all the women, mostly women, children were taken, and other, any other men remained. And she had been caught, and when I was told that, okay, the French family who took care of me told me from, for a while, for, from that day on, I was really, uh, you know, I changed my outlook, my tone. I was you know, sadder, more diff not, not difficult, but uh, quieter, and I realized uh, that my mother was gone. At uh, one time, the father of the family took my sister and I and put us in a ditch with him. And as I mentioned, he li we lived in a uh, farm country. He took us and kind of covered us with a blanket and we were able to peek through the bushes. And what I could remember seeing, and maybe a distance of 200 yards or so, soldiers with guns and dogs. At that time, obviously, I didn't know what was going on. But that scene, you know, was uh, pretty strong. Another thing I remember that I had been sick, and they took me to a hospital. Okay, and I got a feeling that this was probably the place, maybe a Catholic hospital or, or, or a hospital around where the nuns were nurses. And that the father came back the following day to take me out of the hospital. And then what they told me is that the day after, the Germans came into the hospital, raided the hospital, and took Jewish children. I was uh, quite lucky. The other thing I remember is um, D-Day on June 6, 1944. And since we lived on the countryside, uh, what I remembered was the family and a whole bunch of people you know, lining up the hills or whatever, and the tanks well, and Allied forces were coming in and soldiers were throwing uh, candy to everybody and everybody was cheering the Allied forces, which was primarily the American forces. After the war, one of my uncles who survived had gone through Auschwitz and he probably was in no condition to take care of additional children. After several years, uh, like 46, I was taken away from that family and put into the uh, Ose Orphanage. Ose stands for over the secure Living in those homes in an orphanage, I would say those two or three years were very good years. Uh, everybody was in the same situation. I think we all knew what had happened. We had a sense of what happened. Uh, we knew nobody had parents. We were fed. We went to a French school and we were taught about the Jewish religion, Hebrew services, holidays. That's really the first time I remember in my life of being Jewish.
I remember Friday nights in our Shabbat, we'd welcome Shabbat by singing Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem, I came to the United States. An American couple couldn't have any children. Through Jose, they had an American office in, uh, in New York. They went to France, eventually to Paris, and saw my sister first, I believe. And they liked her so much, they wanted to adopt her. But the Jose people said this one, one other thing. She has a brother, and they're like a package. So in brief, that's what happened, how, we, you know, how I got adopted. In 1982, that's when the whole issue of the Holocaust and where I came from and what happened sort of focused together. It became like an obsession, and I really wanted to know what had happened. And in 1983, April of 83, there was a, um, a gathering in Washington, D.C. called the American Gathering of Jewish Holocaust Survivors. And I go there, and, and we're talking, and we're a number of people from uh, France and several people from Jose Homes. One of them, where was, we were talking, was, you know, we'd say, where, where were your parents killed? I said, as far as I know, they were killed in Auschwitz. And he asked me, when, where? I said, I don't know, I just, that's what I've been told. Well, he says, come with me. And at these conventions, one of the things they do is they have books and, and documents and records and pictures of, of those times. And one of the books that was being shown is this one, Memorial to the Jews Deported from France, 1942 to 1944, uh, edited and compiled by uh, Sarge Kosfeld. And he said, do you know when they were sent? I said, I have no idea. Uh, do you know what year? Anything, no, except I knew their last names. So what I did, this book contains basically a list of all what they call them convoys, all the trains that left France to Auschwitz, from convoy number one to convoy, I forget, 51 or whatever is the last one. What I did is I just went through every convoy, and it was in alphabetical order, and uh, eventually on page 38, uh, as I mentioned before, my father was deported in 41 and my mother after 1942. So. I saw the name, I, I know the name, Car Peak, and I found it on, uh, like my father, on page 48, 38 rather, Samuel, who was born in uh, December 15, 1916, in Sokolov, Poland, and this is just one page. He was listed in convoy number, number four, and then my mother's is on page 432, and that's one of the later convoys, uh, 55. And there were, I forgot how many, 60 convoys or something like that. So again, this was one of the emotional moments of, of that convention and of my life, just seeing them on paper. And that evening, uh, a group of us, we went to uh, some other people who were also part of the OSE experience. We had 20 of us and uh, sure enough, as I, you know, remember I mentioned to you Friday night we sang uh, Shalom Aleichem. We kind of, was well, no problem singing that song on Thursday night, although we were 24 hours ahead. Mm -hmm. 
We're going to take a quick break here and be right back. So please stay tuned. Hi, this is Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, host of Let's Talk Vets. Alzheimer's affects 5.8 million Americans and is the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. Turns out our veterans are 60% more likely to develop this disease due to the complications of PTSI and TBI. To get the facts, we spoke to a panel of experts from the Alzheimer's Association. That's Let's Talk Vets, 7 p.m., February 12th, right here on WJFF, your community radio station. Hi, I'm Ron Bernthal. On previous segments of Borders, you have heard music and interviews from the Leipzig Bach Festival to the hills of Appalachia, and from Japan to the Opera House in Bilbao, Spain. Borders covers everything from Cape Verde's struggling tourism economy to the fracking controversy in northeast Pennsylvania. Tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon for a trip across the borders of the world. This is Catskill Character, and I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. My guest today, Jacques Fine, passed away in May of 2017. But fortunately, we've been able to hear his story in his own words from a video made of Jacques speaking at the University of Baltimore in 1992. Jacques was a child survivor of the Holocaust, put into hiding with whom he referred to as righteous Gentiles on a farm on the outskirts of Paris in 1942. There he lived as a Catholic child until the end of the war, when he was then put into an orphanage sponsored by an organization called Ose. This organization saved Jewish children both during and after the war. In the second half of the show, Jacques's wife, Judy Eiliff, will tell us how this child of the Holocaust became a fan of the Catskills and eventually a Catskill character. Here is my conversation with Judy Eiliff. Thank you so much for being a guest on Catskill Character today and sharing your life with your husband, Jacques Fine, and telling us more about him. Well, I'm so happy to have an opportunity to talk about Jacques. Although Jacques' life was, like so many uh, Jewish children in France, very, very much touched by the Holocaust, so many children lost their parents, their whole family, you could say on some level that Jacques was one of the lucky ones, if you could even use that term. And Jacques actually, that's how he looks at himself. Mm. He was uh, fortunate to have survived and in hiding outside of Paris. Both his parents were murdered in Auschwitz, and then another family from the United States found him. Yeah, let's talk about that family. How did that come about? Uh, Jacques' uh, adoptive family, who um, settled in Newark, the Fines. the Fines, knew that there were children who were orphaned after World War II as a result of, of the Holocaust, and were put in touch with a Jewish organization in the United States who set them up with a visit to an orphanage outside of Paris, France. And they had the wherewithal financially even they were immigrants from another immigration wave earlier in the 1800s, 
they had the financial ability to go over to Europe and they were connected with the orphanage that Jacques happened to be at with his sister Annette. The orphanage was Taverny. It was a old chateau. Uh, it housed uh, children who survived. Yeah. And it was actually a place that Ellie Wiesel was housed oh. after uh, the war, before he aged out of living at this chateau. Mm -hmm. And so it has a deep history. And then Jacques was taken out of hiding with a Catholic family. And he uh, was there, and he had a very happy life there, as I think he described. That was so touching to hear him talk about that. Here he was, you know, most people think of children being in an orphanage, you know, it's such a sad thing. But for Jacques and for those children, to be able to be with people who had the same experience that they had, all those children lost their parents, and to finally learn about being what Jewish means. That's exactly right. He was uh, baptized. He was uncircumcised. Mm. And uh, when he got to the orphanage, as most people have a dismal idea of what it would be like to live in an orphanage, for him, it was a great time. They, and as he said, they were all in it together. They were fed well. They went to school, and they learned about being Jewish. So when the Fines decided to adopt Jacques, did they go back and forth from America to France a couple of times, or was it a one-shot deal? How did it, how did it My work out? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, my impression was that they visited more than once. First time, they actually were introduced to Jacques and his sister, Annette, and they then decided they would adopt, and they actually were told they had to adopt both children. And then, subsequent to that, they started the paperwork in the United States and returned to revisit. And I think Jacques and Annette spent some private time outside of being at the orphanage. I think it might have been the hotel that the fines were staying. So I don't think it was numerous times, but I know it at least twice. And that probably was what was called for. So although he knew them, so that had a certain level of comfort, it must have been so unbelievable for those two little kids. He's 10, she's 8. They come over to the United States. They don't speak English. There's all these people hugging, kissing them. You know, of course they knew the fines, but they didn't know the rest of the people. And did he ever talk about it, what it was like? We do have a, a movie of footage of them coming off the ship, he and Annette, with a, probably a whole bunch of other people. And he w was with a chaperone, uh, which is how they brought children over from uh, Europe. And he remembered very vividly, as a ship entered New York Harbor, people were rushing to one side of the ship to see the Statue of Liberty. And he remembered his beret fell off. Oh. and flew away. Sort of symbolic, wouldn't you say? You know, now that you say it, yes, it was goodbye to Europe. Yeah. I remember he often described his first night where the family of the Fines gathered to meet the two new two children. Two new Fines. Two new Fines. They weren't quite finished with the adoption. That took quite a while. And eating fruit. For Jacques, he, he was always a fruit lover, but it started this first night. And, of course, he didn't have much fruit in Europe oh, after the right. war. So he got, promptly got sick. Aww. He only spoke French. None of the family 
spoke French, but they found a doctor, a local doctor who happened to know French, and he remembers that that's how he was cared for that evening. Oh, man, what a start. <laughs> that was not the best start, but it was just a story that he told. It wasn't sad. Kind of funny in a way. Yeah, yeah, as stories sometimes that are hard to tell when you're young uh -huh. or when they happen can turn out to be a humorous story. Right. So how did the Catskills begin to become such a, a big part of the Fines' life? Well, the Fines, having been immigrants themselves, they wanted a vacation. And from what I gather, there were these small resorts, not the big ones like the Grossingers or the Concord, but smaller resorts for Jewish families to enjoy each other's company, speak Yiddish, have maybe the same political leanings. And this was a place that his family went to. And Jacques had very fond memories of Maud's Summer Ray, although he just called it Maud's. Maud's That's the way right. he referred to it. And uh, I think we have footage of them being in the pool, he and Annette, and jumping off the diving board. And then, as he got older, after they apparently went there summer after summer, he became a waiter. And he loved that. He was an American boy now. And he loved waiting the tables and holding the trays up the way professional waiters That was a do. skill. It was a skill, which I would never have. And being careful, you had to go through the swinging doors. So they always had a window to make sure you weren't bumping into someone coming from the other direction. And just the camaraderie of other American teenage boys. And he worked there while he was in college because mm. he said he earned money to contribute to his college education. And he had uh, memories of going, as we found out, Jeffersonville. And he referred to Jeffersonville that he would go into town to buy food, maybe cream for the something they ran out of right. that they could send a waiter in to get. Mm -hmm. and, and that's uh, why I think he got confused and he thought that Maud's was in Jeffersonville. Apparently so, as when you want to tell our tale <laughs> of looking for Maud's. Well, I guess this is a good time for me to reveal that you and I didn't just meet. We've been friends since we we're 18 months old. And uh, the reason that Jacques was coming up once again to the Catskills was that you and Jacques were visiting my husband and I out in Tyler Hill. And we knew, Jacques made it known, that he wanted to find Maud's. And so two very joyous occasions happened that weekend. The first one was when we went out to look for Maud's. What happened with the cows? Well, for whatever reason, Jacques loved farmland and we're driving and these a herd of cows come across the road we had to stop and let them pass and he thought that was so terrific he Don't. was oh my god he was like <laughs> he was so thrilled to see those cows and judy i go down that road every day i have never seen those cows cross again they do cross because I see them on either side of the road. That was the only time I've ever had to stop. <laughs> so that was very joyful for him. And the other time was when we found moths. Oh, my God. And I have to say that Bill, 
Donna's husband and uh, Donna, were taking the time to figure out where this place could be. And obviously we were in the wrong place, Jeffersonville, but it was somewhere around there. And it was if, North Branch, as it turns turn, out. As yeah. it turned out, and I think someone in Jeffersonville remembered Mott's. So we finally located this property that apparently townhouses were built on. There was a, a tennis court and a pool, and it brought back a lot of memories for Jacques. The mods that he remembered, which the structure was not there, but the person who was at the pool said, yes, this is the property that Mods was on. And I remember walking on st a stone path and that path was what Jacques also remembered. Right. We went up stone steps, I remember. It was remarkable. It was hallowed ground. For him, yeah. this was a part of his life that he was recapturing. And he had some sad parts of his life that he has since, uh, as an adult, recaptured and worked through. But this was a fun time. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It makes me love living here all the, that much more to know that the Catskills provided such a haven for people who had been through such hell. It makes me feel really great. I think that that was the beauty of even the larger resorts as they opened up where uh, the Jewish community had a place where they could go and feel very comfortable and have a great time. And that's what I remember, but when I went uh, as a girl to the Catskills, it was just a resort, big resort. But for him, and he could see with his parents, discussing politics, talking Yiddish. And his father was a Yiddish scholar, so it makes sense that they would go to a resort where there were a lot of like-minded people. Before we stop, I just want to say one more thing about Jacques, which I think is so fantastic. Jacques really lived a life of service. Yes, he often said that the American Jewish community, uh, if it weren't for that, he would not have been saved and uh, he wouldn't be here today mm -hmm. because the American Jewish community raised monies and um, that's what he devoted his life to other than making a living was to give back. Well, he was and will forever be a Catskill character, and I just thank you so much for sharing about him. And I'm going to finish and say, I think Jacques would be thrilled that we were talking about him in the vein of the Catskills. Good. Jacques Fine dedicated his life to what he called payback. I was saved by strangers, he said, and I'm forever grateful. For more information about Jacques and his many community and volunteer activities, Google Jacques Fine, that's capital J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, capital F-E-I-N. Catskill Character is on every Saturday at 11.30, right after Farming Country. The last Saturday of the month, I share my time with another show, Greg Triggs, Travels with Triggs. I'm Donna Fellenberg, 
Thanks for tuning in to Catskill Character on your community radio station, WJFF. Support comes from The Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at www.thecalicoontheater.com. Support comes from Two Queens, offering fresh roasted coffee, fine teas, and local honey. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. Coffee, tea, and bees. TwoQueensHoney.com. We've heard songs about Belfast and Dublin, but next time on The Bag of Little Monkeys with me, Graham Rice, here on WJFF, songs about small Irish towns you may never, ever have heard of. Join me, please, on Sunday at 12 noon. Okay, and that's coming up tomorrow at noon right here on WJFF. This is your community radio station, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. It's in the mid-30s right now on the shores of Lake Jefferson. There's a slight chance of some snow, maybe even some rain, depending on what elevation you are at. Uh, Just a slight chance this afternoon heading on into the evening. Overnight low down to 25 tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of some snow. And uh, looking ahead to tomorrow, Mix of snow and rain is possible with a high of 39. Snow showers possible tomorrow night with an overnight low of 29. And uh doesn't say anything about accumulation for these chances of snow. Coming up, it's time for Folk Plus. After that, at 1 o'clock, uh, stay tuned. We have live music for our first Saturdays in the Jambalaya Time Slot. Live music with Aldo, and today Aldo might also be performing for you as well, along with Mike Baglione and Jay Brooks.